Hello, it's Ed Gamble here from the Off Menu podcast that you're currently listening to. I am on tour now. The show is called Hot Diggity Dog. Make sure you go and get yourself a ticket. I'm probably coming to a town near you if you live in the UK and Ireland. And Ireland, Dublin and Belfast. Do go to edgamble.co.uk, buy yourself a ticket, and I'll see you for an evening of Hot Diggity Dog. Hot Diggity Dog! Thank you, James. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Off Menu podcast, taking the stilton of humour out of the fridge of the internet, letting it come up to room temperature, cutting it with the knife of good times, putting it on the cracker of great fun with the chutney of friendship. Mm. Worst one yet, obviously, for obvious reasons. Hated it. Disgusting. Definitely not the worst one yet. Actually really nice. And I added so many elements to it because I was like... Ooh, that sounds lovely. Yeah, you really got into it and you really got lost in it. But look, if people are having that for lunch or after dessert, fair enough. It is nice. You know how I feel about it. I've, I've said it many times, but like, you know that you're riling me up early doors. So you're going to send no, me into no, this no, interview no. angry? No, 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 no. Look, look. Sometimes sugar gets too much and it's lovely to have uh, something deep and rich and flavoursome, right. like a lovely bit of Stilton on a cracker. That's what this podcast represents. It's like a Stilton on a cracker. If you're wondering, that piece of shit is called Ed Gamble. My name is James Acaster, and this is the Off Menu Podcast, where we invite a guest into the dream restaurant, and we ask them their favourite ever. Starter, main course, dessert, side dish, and drink. Not in that order. Making their dream menu, baby. And this week, the guest is... Michael Sher. Michael Sher. Uh, we're very excited to have Michael on wow. the pod. James, what a back catalogue. What a What a... Body of work this man has. He's a, he's a writer, of course, a wonderful writer. A showrunner. Uh, I mean, you know, also, dare I say, an actor. We've seen him in front of the camera as well as Cousin Moe's. Yes, Moe's. Look, we're, we're big fans of The Good Place, of The Office. Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. I mean, we could go on for a long time. He's I been mean, involved he, co- in... he co-created Parks and Rec, James. One of my yeah. favourite shows of all time. Yeah. It's, it's a bit intimidating going into this, sure. He's probably feeling the same. Yeah. Well, he's the dream restaurant, he's got to get it right. So yeah. he probably is feeling pretty... He probably loves hypothetical. Uh, he loves sort of later period, not the week. Yeah. He's he's quaking in his little boots. <laughs> be quaking in his little boots, having to yeah. talk to us. Yes. Yeah, good, actually. Good good, good to really remember that before we yeah. go in so we're not intimidated. Yeah. And also, of course, even though we're big fans, <sighs> look... If he says the secret ingredient, we're going to kick him out. That's how it yes. goes every single week. Mm-hmm. There's a ingredient which we deem to be disgusting. Then we kick someone out. This ingredient, I actually don't think is disgusting. I actually like it a lot, but it's... It, it, it's thematically appropriate. Sometimes it relates to the guests, so we do it. Yeah. Don't we? So. so the secret ingredient is 
Beats. 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 Michael was, of course, cousin Mose, uh, who worked on Shroot Farms in uh, The Office, an American yeah. workplace. Yeah. <laughs> he, also, yeah. he also wrote for, of course. And that was a beat farm. So it's beats. A beat farm. It's beats. There's a, a song by a band called The Hood Internet where they, they said the line, Call me Dwight Shroot the way that I eat beats. Oh, that's good. pretty cool. I like that. Also, Ed, you know what I'm very excited about? You're going on tour. You're on tour, aren't you? And it's going great. I am on tour. The show's called Electric. It goes all over the UK up until the end of April. Edgamble.co.uk for tickets. You know what I'm excited about, James? What are you excited about? Your book. Oh, yes. I've got a book coming out in August. and People can pre-order it now. It's called James Acaster's Guide to Quitting Social Media, Being the Best You You Can Be, and Curing Yourself of Loneliness, Volume 1. It's all about how I gave up social media, and you can too. And if you're worried that that sounds a little preachy or heavy, don't worry. Yeah, I've made everything up, and it's really stupid. And Volume 2 is all about how you gave up caffeine. Yes, and... At the end of the book, there's a hell of a twist. Not a twist if you've ever listened to this podcast, of course. But speaking of books, the reason Michael is here is to promote his book, as well as have a great chat with his two heroes of comedy, me and you. Um, But his book is called How to Be Perfect. So it sounds like more of a helpful book than your book is. Yeah, it would probably cover everything I would have to say. Yes. And then more. Yeah. I know whose book I'm going to actually read and whose book I'm going to get on audiobook. Yeah, hey. You know, we don't get paid by the the read. The actually, no, we do. Yeah, we quite yeah, pay more for the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, mm. <laughs> yes. Well, without further ado, let's chat to Michael Sher. Michael Sher. Here is the off-menu menu. Oh, oh yeah, oh, Michael no. Sher. Here is the off-menu menu. Michael Sher. Welcome. Mike slash Michael Sher to the Dream Restaurant. Do I get the genie? Do I get the genie? Welcome, Michael Sher, to the Dream Restaurant. We've been expecting you for some time. I thought for a second the genie was just not going to show up for me, that it was gonna, I was going to get denied. What an awful start that would be if the genie just didn't show up to this episode of Off Menu. That would be so horrible. I know. Just like a sad, like, come on in, have a seat, you know, like a, it's like a moribund uh, dream restaurant. <laughs> that would be sad, actually. I'm, like, normally, I try and interrupt the guest when they start saying, oh, thanks for having me. And I go, Push, out the, I and, see. And you anticipated it. And so we both were looking at each other over Zoom like, uh, <laughs> who's going to go first? Which one of us? Yeah. Well, I'm happy that the genie showed up. That's great. Yeah. But this is, this is, we were talking about this earlier, me and Ed, and this is exactly what, so, you know, awkward greetings and stuff like that. I was lucky enough to just visit very quickly the set of The Good Place uh, one season, and I went to shake Ted Danson's hand, and I fucked that up, and that's exactly <laughs> the same as this. How did you fuck that up? What did you do? Did you put out your left hand or something? <laughs> he, he admitted later on that it was his fault. Uh, I put my hand out for a normal handshake, and Ted Danson went in with his hand in, making like a T-shape with his hand and mine, so like straight in. I've never seen anyone do that before. He crashed his fingers just into my palm, and then I still (laughs) instinctively just gripped onto them, so I was kind of like that. And then he just said, oh, dear, that's not worked at all. And um, (laughs) I was really panicking. It was in front of Janet and Cheedy. Oh, no. It was bad stuff. It was bad. Now, so you were just like a T Rex, just kind of awkwardly yep. clinging to his hand. Yeah. Are you sure yeah. it's not something Ted Danson was trying out to make the T shape for Ted, like a new oh, sort of, of greeting? Of course. Mm. Oh no! Of course, I was meant to <laughs> just pivot and turn it into a D, like yeah. curve my hand, 
So he's, he, he keeps his hand there. I'll go D. And we both look at each other and go, Ted Danson. That's what he wants. Now, when were you here? I, how did I not know you were on the set? When did you come? It was season three. You were filming okay. season three, 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. And I was visiting uh, a friend and she was working on set that day and said, oh. just, I wasn't able to see her any other day. So she just said, just come. And I was very reluctant, just so you know. I don't want to get anyone in trouble here. <laughs> I was like, I can't come onto the set. I was a big fan of the show anyway. I was like, I can't come onto the set. And then uh, I uh, probably pretended like I didn't want to come on the set for about two more asks. Yeah. And then I sure. went because I did want to go. The friend doesn't exist. He snuck on. He snuck yeah. onto the set. I'm a <laughs> He was taking the. He was at Universal Studios and just climbed <laughs> over a fence. And yeah. exactly what I did. Uh, did you Did you have a good time? Did we treat you well while you were here? Did you Did you enjoy your visit? Yeah, I was there very briefly. Uh, I just watched a scene get rehearsed, and then I mm-hmm. went and got some free food. That is the ultimate Hollywood experience. Just work for eight <laughs> minutes and then get a bunch of free food. <laughs> what was your? What was the first set that you were ever on? I started at Saturday Night Live in right. 1998, and that was my first job, and that was the first time I'd ever been on a set. So I, that was like my introduction, and wow. it, that's not a good introduction to what it's like because it's a very it's a one of a kind, like no, no other mm. show functions. That show is bananas. Like you go to work at one in the afternoon and you stay at work until five in the morning. Oh my God. So everyone has shifted. Like it's the only job I, I got hired there right after college. And it was, the, it's like the only job where your, your schedule shifts later than it was when you were in college. Like you sleep <laughs> later and you go to bed later than when you were in college, which is b- bananas. So I was there for seven years and then I came out to work on the office, mm-hmm. uh, the American office. And that was the first time I was on a, on a real Hollywood set, like uh, with, you know, with free food and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that was my, that was the, that's my origin story. And were you able to dictate people's bedtimes when you went to the office? So, and I did, say, yeah. We're not I'm, staying up I, till five anymore. I made a chart and I was like, everyone in bed by 11 <laughs> with the lives now. <laughs> that was 2004. So I've been doing that, essentially that same thing since 2004. That whole SNL experience, it just sounds so intense. Like whenever people talk about working on that show, it just sounds so crazy to do all of that intense work and then you do it and then it's, it's gone yeah it's done well that to me it's a good thing about it because you if you have the greatest week of your life professionally if you write like five sketches and they all do great at the read through and then they all go on tv and the audience laughs at all of them and you're feeling incredible like you wake up on monday and you've got nothing again and you will get your ass kicked like the people who work at snl tend to be very nice people because for most people, it's their first job and it just destroys your ego. It just drives all of the ego out of you because you bomb so hard. Like I bombed so hard for so long at that job, like just miserable flop sweating, like famous people reading your sketches. And the only sound that you hear is a hundred people in the read through room, like slowly turning the paper. (laughs) Just that sound echoes in my ears to this day. So you learn to not be precious about your own writing. It's, it's almost worse that bombing when you're not performing. Cause I've had, I've had both of those feelings when you're bombing, when you're performing, you can sort of go, well, just keep your head in it. You keep going. But if you're watching someone else bomb with your words, you feel guilty and awful yeah. and terrible at comedy. I'm helpless. Oh, I heard this rumor in the 70s when the show first started, it, the read-throughs were so terrible sometimes that Alf, I think Al Franken or uh, Tom Davis, one of those legendary old-timey writers that used to work on the show, invented this system where there was a little bell, like a bell when you go into a hotel and you ring for service, and they handed it to the writer 
whose sketch it was. And the idea was if you get like four pages into a 15 page sketch and it's bombing, the writer can just ring the bell. And that's like, <laughs> I, I give up. I can't see it. And it was a good idea in theory, but apparently the problem was that every writer just, as soon as a, one joke would bomb, they were just going, get me out of yeah. here. Like they hit the bell. <laughs> so they had to stop doing it because every writer was panicking at, at every single sketch they wrote. Ed, you've seen me have some pretty bad gigs. If I had yes. a little bell that I could ring uh, as writer and performer, how quickly do you think I'd ring a bell into most of my shows? I've seen you have gigs where you would have rung the bell like on the way out to the yeah. stage like yeah, yeah, yeah. just like yeah. this isn't gonna work this yeah, isn't this gonna, gonna work everyone or doing the announcement off stage going please welcome to the ding that would be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's fair i heard you guys talking about this actually on one of the podcasts about how a hundred people can be laughing and you will find the one person in the crowd who is oh, yeah. like a, a, my well, good friend of mine is a stand-up and he talks about that all the time like he'll just zero in on the one guy in row 83 who just mm. is like miserable and that's all you can think about it's the same yeah. for it's the same for me by the way like one bad review i stopped reading reviews a long time ago because i realized that one bad one outdoes thousands of good ones i, I come up with a really good segue check this out <laughs> check this out but of course you don't have to worry about bad reviews anymore mike because you're perfect and you can teach people who read your book, How to Be Perfect. Is that correct? That was a great segue. Yeah. Although the perfection I'm talking about in the book is ethical perfection, not comedic perfection. Mm-hmm. What would you rather have? Would you rather be an ethically perfect person or a perfect comedian who gets laughs at every joke? Yeah, I mean, you are absolutely correct to separate the two, and <laughs> it's not possible to be both, as we all know, from the best comedians. Yeah, they will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't have good humour and make everyone laugh and be ethical at the same time <laughs> i don't have any um aspirations to be perfect in either version being a perfect comedian would be like hell right if everyone always laughed at every joke it, there would be no point in telling jokes mm-hmm. and if you were a perfect ethical person you would just be annoying and no one would like you no one would want to hang out with you so it's bad either way yeah totally yeah but- i mean did you realize that when uh sorry see this is this is what's going to happen this is what's going to happen we're, we're, everything michael says was going to go mm, that uh, sets me up for a question about his work, actually. But, uh... <laughs> you know that's what like professional podcasts do, though, James. Yeah, you but then they have to stop on something. We make me talk about food. Don't fucking go. Oh, did did, did people being perfect, being boring, and annoying? Did that did that inspire you to win the good place to make sure it was about bad people and not the good people? <laughs> Shut the fuck up, James. That's exactly where I was in my head. Ding, ding, it's ding, good, ding. There ding. you go. <laughs> it's a good question, though, James. It's a good question, actually. The premise was always that there was. Some some kind of like perfect Eden paradise and that someone got in accidentally. That was always the, the mm-hmm. starting point because I, because the because perfect people are boring. And, and I thought the only way to make it funny was that someone gets in who shouldn't be there. So mm-hmm. that was always baked in. I didn't come up. There's a, I guess I should spoiler alert this spoiler alert. I didn't come up with the idea of the whole thing being like a torture chamber until much later. Like I worked on it for a while, but I, I kept getting to this point where I was like, even though one of the characters is going to be a person who got it accidentally, if everyone else is actually a good person and they are actually perfect, that's still going to be boring. That's still yeah. going to be like annoying. Then I was like, oh, wait, if all of them are actually being tortured by Ted Danson's character, now that's something interesting because you can present them to the audience as like, these are what good people look like. 
and then reveal like, oh no, actually they all suck in different ways. So that was the key was coming up with that twist. And then when I was like, okay, now I feel like I know what, how to write this show. The book was the, a natural sort of like end of the show was, uh, I, I got to the final season and kind of just thought like, I feel like I still want to write about this stuff in some way. Like I, I thought of it as like an exit interview for myself of like, what did I learn? Can I talk about it in a way that is not boring? Cause the books are boring. Like the original texts are incredibly bone crushingly dull. And I felt like I was a better person cause I had learned about them and had talked to people who like explained them to me. And I thought like, if I could put all this stuff into a book that was for regular people, not PhD candidates, that it would perhaps be of some use to people. So I, I just try to dump everything that I learned into one conversational book about like, here's what I think it means to be a good person, take it or leave it. Here's a bunch of theories. They're helpful to me when I'm uh, in weird spots in my life and maybe they'll be helpful to you. That was the basic idea. Love it. Thank you. Uh, I unring the bell. It was a good question. Yeah, good. So you just put the <laughs> bell away, man. You put the bell. Uh, in fact, uh, let me take your bell. I'll be in charge of your bell. Thank you, Thank you Ed. <laughs> we always start with still or sparkling water. Do you have a preference? I do. Before I do that, let me make one disclaimer, if you don't mind. Yeah. yeah. My food takes have been referred to by more than one friend of mine as like horrifying and <laughs> basic and, and terrible. Like I'm, Great. I'm yep. famous among my group of friends for, for having terrible takes on food. Great. So I hope that one of the aspects of the dream restaurant is that there's no judgment no. for, for what I'm about to say. Okay, great. Well, actually, well, well, no. actually we, that's we, not we, true at all, is it? <laughs> we, we've judged As a lot well of people. Known, Michael. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we believe some people. What, what do you put this down to this taste in food? I don't know. I really like good food. When I eat good food, I'm happy and I recognize it as good food. But when I eat bad food, I often feel the same way. I often feel like this is fine. I'm eating food and it's fine. So I, I think I'm. it's just unrefined. I just have no like, ability to discern really between good and bad food. So as a result, my favorite foods are I eat like a child, essentially. Mm -hmm. I eat like a 11-year-old boy. That's how I would characterize my my palate. It's not that I don't have an appreciation for excellent cuisine. I do. I just never think to seek it out. And I don't really care whether what I'm eating is, uh, I'm eating it like, you know, French laundry or, or something, or I'm making myself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay. So, yeah, so that that they would both rank high on your list. If you went to a yep. restaurant like the French Laundry and they brought you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you would go, oh, this makes sense. Yeah, this yeah. is great. I love peanut butter and jelly So anyway, but so I I'm I know I'll be judged. I, I hope I'm not judged too harshly. And also I weirdly hope that I say the secret ingredient and you guys just kick me out because then I'll save <laughs> yeah. myself a lot of embarrassment. <laughs> so with that qualification, still water, please. Thank you. Acceptable so far. We're not gonna judge you so far. <laughs> I find that sparkling water makes me thirstier. Is this a is has Ooh. anyone ever said this? Is this a new take? For you? I don't, no, I think that is a new take. I think some people have said the opposite. Some people have said that they've read that scientifically it's meant to quench your thirst more. Well, I disagree. I feel like when I drink sparkling water, I'm my throat gets parched, and I like need more. It's like a it's like an endless loop. I'll just fall into this endless loop where I'll drink more and more of it because I'm thirstier and thirstier, mm. and then it'll make me thirstier, and eventually I'll die. I'll I'll get desiccated and die. So still water, please. So do you think this is something that the sparkling water 
people have developed over the years yeah. in a lab to sell more sparkling water. I think it's nefarious. I think they yeah. know what they're doing and they've carbonated it in order to make you thirstier to buy more of their product. Yes, that's a, that's literally what I think. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I've had yeah. that exact thought before. This is like this is a loophole. Have you said it out loud to people? No, God, no, no, I, except for you right now. Yeah, I've yeah. never, because I'll, because I'll be laughed out of polite society if I suggest a harebrained theory like that. Well, then it's a, then it's a rabbit hole situation, isn't it? You have that theory, and then next thing you know, you're looking on YouTube for that theory, and you're, you're queuing on within a month. Then. And I'm, I'm listening, I'm watching <laughs> Steve Bannon's podcast, yeah. and I'm just going to. Yeah. Everyone's very hydrated in LA. Is that fair to say? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, water shaming that goes on, uh, where people are drinking. They have, you know, 128 ounce bottles of water uh, that they drink slowly over the course of a day and they tell you that if you're not drinking 128 ounces of water a day you're failing as a as a citizen there's a lot of that that goes on and i can't do that in part because i it just makes me have to pee every eight Mm -hmm. seconds so i drink like one glass of water a day and i'm gonna die young because i'm not properly hydrated that's all right i've been getting into the drinking you know trying to be as hydrated as i can this year new year's res okay still keeping it up but I am very good friends with my toilet now. Yeah. yeah. Like every yeah. every 15 minutes, it's too much. I think my girlfriend thinks that I'm addicted to cocaine. <laughs> In the flat. That's less embarrassing than the truth, which is that you're yeah. just urinating every 10 minutes. Yeah. I don't think coke addicts do coke in their toilet when they're in their own house, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but... If I did cocaine, that's what I would do, right? Yeah. So that makes sense. I'd yeah. do it in there and then come out and just talk about myself and my business plans to my girlfriend like she would have no idea. <laughs> talk about all the new apps you're developing and, uh, yeah. and cryptocurrency yeah. and whatever. Yeah. That's a miserable existence. <laughs> Pop-nubs or bread? Pop-nubs or bread, Mike Sher? Pop-nubs or bread? Bread, please. Thank you. I like a hearty, a hearty bread, like a like a bread with a lot of like grains and nuts and 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 mm. stuff like that. And warm butter. This is a key to me. The butter has to be warm so that it spreads easily. Because yeah. that hard, cold butter, you can't do that. The my problem is I I like bread with chunks of stuff in it. And occasionally, if it's a dark restaurant, there will be an olive bread that looks like the kind of bread I want, and I'll take it, and olive bread is horrifying, and no one should ever eat it. This is one of my my food takes. I hate (laughs) olive bread. So I hate olives, and I hate all olive breads. So I sometimes I'm fooled into thinking that I'm getting what I want and getting exactly the opposite. This plays perfectly into you eating like an 11-year-old boy because there are no 11-year-old boys who like olives. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> my nephew likes olives. And it's what? like, my nephew's liked olives since they were seven or six or something. And, and I, would, I used to stare at him and I, I couldn't believe it when he was just there eating olives. And I remember once, while he was eating olives, in between olives, he, he, he went, I love olives out loud. <laughs> and it really, I couldn't, it blew my mind. What is going yeah. on? I say that I definitely liked olives when I was 11. You did? Yeah, yeah I was that kid. Totally. I, I loved olives. I loved uh, poached salmon. I was a proper little gourmand 11-year-old fat boy in dungarees. I mean, that's that's impressive. That kind of like super savory, salty taste like that. Yeah. I, I've never, that's not for me. No, no olives well, for me. Now, uh, Mike, I hate to pick you up on an inconsistency straight away because we've had the whole discussion about how you said sparkling water makes you more thirsty. You prefer still water. And you listeners might have heard a little can being opened there. And I saw you take a sip and it was a LaCroix, which is that not? A sparkling water. Oh my god! Oh it my is. God. So there's a there's a corollary to my theory, which is well, it's two parts. One is when it's the only thing that you have 
to drink and you're doing a podcast, then maybe you, <laughs> it's okay to just try to uh, soothe your throat. But also, for some reason, the flavored sparkling water makes me less thirsty than regular uh-huh. sparkling water. I don't know why. It could be psychosomatic, but I'm worried that I'm going to start like coughing because I'm talking so much. So mm-hmm. I need a thing to drink. And so I'm risking being extra parched just so to try to make this podcast go more smoothly. Fair. Look, you are allowed something to drink. I don't want you to think that I'm saying, don't yeah. drink anything during our podcast, Mike. But that is the closest we've ever got to like, I felt like you were Columbo or some detective that you yeah. completely caught him out. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I, did. I got him. I got him. It was on camera for like a third of a second and he somehow <laughs> saw it. I can't believe it. I was, I, I wasn't even thinking about that. I, I was there going, oh, what can I say about olives? That's what I was yeah. thinking in my head. <laughs> You notice the can? That's what I like to do. I like to make our guests feel very uncomfortable about every move mm-hmm. they make on camera. That's what I'm doing. Just for. question them, find, <laughs> c- catch them in inconsistencies, challenge yeah. them. Yeah. I notice on the shelf behind you there, you've got a jar of olives, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> just throwing them into my mouth one yeah. after another. <laughs> the cold butter thing, man, the amount of despair that I feel when I try and spread cold butter across the mm-hmm. bread and all that happens is it kind of digs into that, tears the bread up, you end up with a block of cold butter with loads of bread stuck to it that's not spread around. The sadness that I feel, I think, is too much. It's profound. I think I shouldn't feel as sad as I do when that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I feel so sad, like the whole day is ruined, and I should go back to bed. I think of it as when you're on an airplane. If you ever get butter on an, uh, and bread on an airplane, it's always like it's been in the freezer. It's not just it, that it's cold. It's like it's, it's, a, it's rock hard. And you have to like hold it in your hand in the wrapper for like 30 minutes to get to to just to just that level that you're talking about. It's horrifying. And I feel like there should be a law. We should actually make a law. The Hague, the world court should try people. Who, who restaurants that don't make their butter spreadable. That's my official position. I'd sign that petition. Well, I don't think I would. And what? here's why. I love butter. Yes. And I want any excuse to be able to eat as much butter as possible. And when the butter's hard, I like taking a chunk of butter, putting it on the bread, and just like almost more butter than bread and eating that like mm. a little butter sandwich. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, that's terrifying. <laughs> like your teeth biting into a chunk of butter, that's a pleasant mm. feeling for you? Yes, please. Wow. And you prefer it to an evenly spread level of butter over the bread? You know what? I think I do. Look, when I was what? a kid, there were there were occasions where my mum would go into the fridge and find teeth marks in the butter. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Which will be the title of my autobiography. Look out for it. <laughs> so we've got the hearty bread with loads of like stuff on the outside, loads of roughage on the mm-hmm. outside, and you want warm butter, and that's all you want for your, your bread. Want, no, yeah. no olives specifically. No olives anywhere. I'll take a pretzel bread too. I don't know if that's oh, a yeah. big thing in London, Absolutely. but uh, pretzel bread is is a good. If there's no hearty, chunky, seedy bread, I'll go with a pretzel bread if that's an option. That is quite exciting. This is a very German. Am I right in saying? No, oh, I think you're right. Yeah, it feels it's German. A, Cousin Moe's coming out in your hair? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if Moe's would eat. I think Moe's would more eat like a a proper plowman's lunch. You know, like he was a farmer. I think he's just taking a big chunk of sourdough and a big chunk of cheese. And then uh, quietly eating it alone somewhere, like in an outhouse on his farm. (laughs) Or he would eat like, I think he would eat a pretzel, but if it was made out of jerky that was... uh, was, was, was made That's out right. of like a bull's intestine. I think he would have that. 
<laughs> like yeah, ven- venison jerky or something. Yeah, just some some horrifying farm meat that uh, that he cured himself. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for bringing up Moe's, by the way. It's very kind of you. I think about Moe's a lot. I think just that that specific scene where I think people arrive in a car to the farm and Moe's just silently runs alongside the car is is quite disturbing. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? Yeah. That the way it was written in the script was the car pulls up the long driveway. Suddenly, Moe's appears out of nowhere and runs alongside it like a dog. That's a, <laughs> that, was, that was the stage direction. Your dream starter. Here's the problem. I'm a vegetarian, mm-hmm. but since this is a dream restaurant, if there's no good vegetarian option, I will order fish. I will, I will be a pescatarian occasionally. So I don't know if this is cheating, but my starter is going to be a seafood tower. Is that cheating? No. Because that's more than one thing. Okay. When I do eat fish, which is fairly rarely, my favorite thing to get is like a seafood tower with like multiple platters. So on my seafood tower would be crab meat, jumbo shrimp, sushi, some some good like sushi rolls. I don't eat oysters or clams, so no oysters or clams. But like that, you can picture the genie putting an enormous three-tiered seafood tower with just loads of lump crab meat lobster sushi and uh, and jumbo shrimp and then all the hot sauces and mustards and and stuff like that and i'm gonna eat the entire thing it's the first time anyone's employed the tower format to get around having more than one thing and i'm i'm here for it i love it the the tower defense (laughs) i definitely had a like am am i gonna be kicked out for cheating slash finding a loophole i'm glad to know that i didn't run afoul of your rules i feel like when you're in a restaurant and someone orders the seafood tower, I feel like everybody's happy. There's something about the variety and the excitement of all of the different things on the tower that just makes everybody happy. And so when I'm in a restaurant like this, I constantly am finding myself talking other people into the seafood tower. Mm. Like I feel like I'm like a salesman and I'm like trying to sell them on how great this is going to be. And everybody's skeptical. And then when it comes, everyone's happy. Now the jumbo shrimp, Ed might know this. Is that the same as King Prawns, Ed? Yeah, I guess so. I guess, yeah, like a big shrimp. Yeah, like a shrimp is a prawn, right? Yeah, the the big guys that are like, you know, like that big. And then there's the hot sauce and the cocktail, shrimp cocktail sauce, Mm. and like a little big white dish that you can just, you know, the whole thing in and then one bite. It's great. Mm. You feel so, that is so fancy. If you get that, you feel like this is a this is a fancy night. Yes, that's right. You're in Las Vegas, like you've gone out. You're at like a like bachelor party or like some kind of celebratory event. There's eight people. The seafood tower shows up. Everyone's happy. Everybody's always happy with the seafood tower. Yeah, that sort of thing feels like a a gala event in a Batman film before something goes really wrong. <laughs> the joke, the Joker's about to show yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You better enjoy that shrimp because the Joker's on his way. Yeah, it's all the rich fat cats in their tuxedos yeah. who are in a rarefied location that's about to be raided by the Joker and his yeah, minions. Yeah, so yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing they even go to those in Gotham anymore. I know. Just stay away. Like if you get that invitation, you're like, oh, that sounds fun. We should- oh, wait a second. <laughs> no, this is a, this, yeah. this is a trap. The joke is going to show up, or multiple villains are going to show up, depending yeah. on which film. Yeah. And like as you're as you're driving in your tuxedo, you hear over the radio that there was a breakout at Arkham Asylum, and a bunch of the, <laughs> them escaped. And you're like, well, that probably won't affect my evening. I'll be fine. <laughs> Looking forward to my jumbo shrimp. <laughs> Well, I think that's a great starter. And also, every time people mention lobster now, I got big into reaction videos during the pandemic. 
I never really used to watch reaction videos before the pandemic. And I think something about watching them now brings me a lot of joy. It connects you to people. Yeah, that's what it is, I think. And I've been watching a lot of this guy who plays his dad albums that he likes. And his dad is really open to his son's music. And so it's very heartwarming. Yeah. And there was one of them where his dad turned to his son and went, you're just feeding me lobster here. It's all lobster. And I always think of that whenever anyone says lobster. I just think of... What does that mean? He basically was saying, I'm sure you could have been playing me loads of rubbish music, but all you keep bringing me is lobster. You keep bringing me the best. And, oh, I, and, okay. and I haven't found an album. There hasn't been an album I don't like so far. What a wonderful way to say that. That's great. I love that. It means you're giving me the good stuff is what he's saying. Yeah, this you're giving me the good high, stuff. High, oh, great. That's adorable. Very nice Canadian father and son. (laughs) Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today's episode of Off Menu is sponsored by Aura. James, are you ready to win Mother's Day? I am, Ed. I want to cement my reputation as the best gift giver in the family. I want to give my mom an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. May I say, James, I absolutely love the class and elegance with which you use the word mom, because this is for US listeners. All of your moms deserve a good Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. Yeah, I think your mum's going to love looking back on your childhood memories, seeing what you're up to today, seeing what you're up to back in the day, and even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating mum's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving, James. Ed, answer me this. Who is the best gift giver in your life? Hmm, um, I'd probably say uh, my wife is a very good gift giver. Not that my mom is not a fantastic gift giver, but my wife's very good at little surprise things. She says, I've only got you a few things, and then there'll be little little surprises, things that we've seen throughout the rest of the year. I'll say to my wife, I like that, and then I forget about it, and then on the day, there's some lovely little gifts there for me that remind us of the year that we've just spent together. Oh, if you like being reminded of stuff, may I suggest photographs? That's a very good point, James. I think we should get ourselves an Aura digital picture frame and put some of our wedding photos on them. Right now, Ed, Aura has a great deal for Mom's Day, Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code OFFMENU at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply.
we move on to your main course, uh, the Dream Main. You've had a big tower. Yeah. So for your tower as a starter, I'm expecting a skyscraper now for your your main. Well, course. here's here's where it's all going to fall apart because uh, in my in my 11 year old boy thing kicks in. I, I legitimately thought about making my main course a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, <laughs> um, <laughs> but and, and my actual choice isn't much better. So. My actual choice is an entire 16-inch pizza with onions on it. That's my main course. <laughs> and specifically, when I, was, when I lived in New York, there was a pizza place called Nino's that was on St. Mark's Place in the East Village. I lived near there, and I felt like when I found it, like, oh, I found the best pizza place in New York. This is it. Like, everyone wonders where the best pizza is. This is it. Now, to be fair, 95% of the time I ate pizza there, it was three in the morning and I was drunk. And so I don't trust my opinion, but it closed a long time ago. And it was like a crushing thing for me that it closed. Cause it was like the place, if every time I went to New York, even after I left, I would go back, I would make a pilgrimage to that pizza place and get a piece of pizza. So I want to use the magic restaurant to reopen Nino's pizza. And I want an entire pizza with nothing but onions on it. That's my main course. Wow. Oh, is there cheese on it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Regular like cheese cheese pizza, cheese and sauce, and then the topping is onions. Just onions. What, are we were yeah. you suddenly worried that Mike was picking a pizza with no tomato, no cheese, and <laughs> just, just bread onions. and onions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was a bit worried. But it's just like one step up from a Kevin McAllister pizza. Yeah. A half step. I would say a half step up from the Kevin McAllister pizza. But that that is uh here's the thing. In TV writers' rooms, you get lunch every day and if you order from a, you order from different restaurants. If you order from a restaurant that has as an option pizza, I try not to get pizza because I'm too old to be eating pizza every day. So I'll get like a healthy salad or something or like a, 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 a veggie burger. If I don't get the pizza, someone else will get a pizza. And as soon as it shows up, I immediately think I wish I had gotten pizza because yeah. pizza, it looks better than whatever it is that you're eating if you're eating anything else. And so when I thought about the dream restaurant, I thought... If I'm in this dream restaurant and someone at another table is eating pizza, whatever I'm eating, I could be eating the entire chef's menu at French Laundry. I would still look over and smell the pizza from the next table over and think, I wish I were eating that instead. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that as a premise that pizza always looks better than whatever you're eating if you're not eating pizza. I would say the one exception to that for me would be if the pizza only had onions on it. <laughs> I don't know where this started. I don't know why. To me, it's always been like, I, I will eat cheese pizza if it's around happily, but I will always then wish I were eating onion pizza instead. And I, I know how weird this is. I believe me. Like there's nothing you can say to me that has been said to me a million yeah. times before, mm-hmm. but I really think onion pizza is the best pizza. I'm also now imagining this, Mike, in the sort of the, the Gotham fundraiser. So they've taken away the seafood tower and everyone's like, wow, what's coming next? And then they bring out these huge pizzas. That would Just, be the Joker. It would be the Joker. It would turn out it was the Joker with the pizza. That's how they would know the Joker's about yeah, to yeah. show up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> no. Open it. And then, oh, shit. Who ordered pizza? <laughs> Actually, what it would be like is people would smell pizza and they would go, oh, interesting. Like, yeah. uh, this is, and then they would see that there are onions on it and they'd yeah. be like, the fucking Riddler, man. He does, he's done it again. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the texture. I think I just mm-hmm. like the little crunch. Like, yeah. a, like a, it adds something to it. I don't know. I don't like any other time. I don't like peppers. I don't like, obviously, I don't eat pepperoni or sausage. I, but I, uh, uh, I just always want onions. I always want onions on my pizza. I kind of get the onion thing in a way because I've started like just doing a simple like dish where just like roast a load of vegetables and then like 
put them with some couscous and chickpeas and stuff. And I, I, I put shallots in there every time. If I forget mm-hmm. the shallots, which I did on one occasion, it really is a lot worse. Yeah, and not just not for and and not just for flavour, but because like, I am missing that little those little crunchy bits. Yeah, it just makes the dish more interesting, and it be- became a lot more boring. Because even if it's just roast veg and couscous, it's amazing how much I've enjoyed it lately. I'm finding it very exciting. But I think the onions are doing quite a lot of the heavy lifting. I agree. See. See, I'm not. Look, okay, look, okay, okay. Look, I, I love an onion. I love the sweetness of an onion. I love the crunch of an onion. But I just think that pizza is a blank canvas. You can fill it up with whatever you like. Maybe I need to try this. I think I get giddy every time when I'm ordering pizza and I think, what can I have on it? And I pile it up with so much stuff. Yeah, I think the mistake with pizza is too many toppings. I mm-hmm. think because it, it, it is a blank canvas and you're like, ooh, that looks good and that looks good. I think you, no matter what it is, I think you want basically one or maybe two toppings. Like people who eat meat will eat sausage and onion or you'll eat like pepperoni and onion or something or whatever. But I think anything more than two toppings, you're ruining the pizza because then all you taste is the stuff on top and you don't get the basic pizza taste. Is it Nino's you want the pizza from? Yeah. So you want it from there? Mm -hmm. Because I was going to offer you two other places. Okay. Do you want it from... Alfredo's Pizza or Pizza by Alfredo. (laughs) Wow. That's a deep cut. (laughs) I told you this was going to happen. And James said that he wouldn't do this. Don't worry. We had Martin Freeman on and James spent the whole thing asking him to do his voice from Fargo. So this is actually going very well compared to I heard that one. He, 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 He didn't get it. It was clear that you wanted him to do the voice, and he didn't see, understand that. Oh, for he, a got long time. Okay, he got it. I think he he got. That's what I wanted him to do the whole time. He was. He, he, Martin Freeman's not playing ball with the likes of me. <laughs> well, you kept saying like everyone else isn't good at it. You're the one who's good. At it. And he was like, "Thank you, thank you very much." Like he just didn't take the bait over and over again. I was like, "He's not going to do it, man." He's wily. He's wily, but he got he, he got me to do it, and I was pretty pretty gutted about that. But yeah, no. I'm, I've watched them all again recently because my girlfriend hadn't seen them, so we watched them all during lockdown. So I've got them. These are, they're, you know, they're fresh. They're fresh in the head here. Yeah, clearly. Was it was it like the most watched show during 2020 or something? The Office was, I think, the most watched show even before the pandemic. Like it was before having this that. weird resurgence. Wow. But and then the pandemic like kicked it into overdrive. Like I got recognized. As Mo, even with a mask on, I got recognized as Mo's more like in the last two or three years than I had, yeah. it, like when the show was on. Like it was really wow. a, I, I think that when everyone has to stay in their house and there's nothing to do, that show had 201 episodes or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it would just became the thing that was like a ritualistic, like family way to pass time it definitely kicked up a notch i tried to show my kids the british version and they were like no thank you (laughs) they did not not like david brent as much as michael scott which i kind of get you know for a kid yeah um adults adults love it but all the people in that version they they're killjoys they don't do accents if you ask them to they're not (laughs) not very fun yeah they're not very fun are they Your dream side dish. Yeah, what's accompanying this onion pizza from Nino's? So my favorite individual food of all foods, I think, is uh, is sweet potatoes. And there's a restaurant in L.A. called Jar, and they make this side dish that's a technically, I think it's a purple yam is what mm-hmm. they call it. It's just a whole purple yam cut in half, and then they put this creme fraiche on it as a little, like, uh, you know, little sauce there. And it's so dense and hearty that 
you can kind of just eat that as a whole meal. And I always order something and then also the the purple yam with creme fraiche. And I kind of then skip most of what I ordered as my dinner and just eat the purple yam. So I'm ordering a purple yam with creme fraiche from Jar to go along with my entire onion pizza. This now sounds like a, I'm just realizing now how horrifying a meal this sounds like. But I'm going to have a side dish of a one one giant purple yam with creme fraiche. Purple yam sounds like, I mean, this is not 11-year-old boy food. A purple yam with creme fraiche, that's, this is big boy stuff now. This is big boy food, yeah. This is the one thing that I feel like an adult when I eat. Yeah, no yeah. question. But it, it's really good. It's really thick and hearty, but also it's kind Kind of got a sweetness to it and then the creme fraiche is like a little exciting uh, i don't know a little flavor added i just i really love it and it and it has that like my favorite thanksgiving i'm not a thanksgiving food guy the one thing i will always eat is sweet potatoes like anytime there's sweet potatoes on a menu i will order them happily and mostly eat that so yeah i'm not sure how it's gonna i did not spend a lot of time thinking about how it was gonna mix with the onion pizza it feels like it'll be okay with the onion pizza right like i can see you going to and fro between them yeah like taking a little break from my enormous onion pizza to to (laughs) To go with your purple yam. yeah Yeah. i mean so far you've essentially ordered three things that you would have as a main you said that this purple yam is pretty much a main course and you have it as a main meal and then the the starter is a tower of sea of three different types of seafood mm-hmm. so you've kind of got three main meals so far really so you could just space them out you know mm-hmm. an, an hour apart and just have a very long is there someone else coming in after me or can i have this table for a while you've got this as long as you need it yeah Great. for eternity yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's the dream restaurant yeah you got this also you mentioned thanksgiving there just going back to like uh writing TV shows, American TV shows. And this is maybe something that we notice a lot being from the UK, but there's always like, especially sitcoms, they'll have a Thanksgiving episode mm-hmm. pretty regularly. Yeah. I don't know. It seems to me like that would be a fun thing to do to be like, we've got our own show. We get to do a Thanksgiving episode, especially if it's about a community or a family. Is that is that fun when you get to kind of go, like, how are we going to do this one? It is, although now... TV's been around for so long that there's kind of nothing left to do. Like the theme of Thanksgiving episodes is always the same, which is if it's a workplace show, the theme always ends up being, you know what? This workplace is kind of like a family. Like that's always, it's like, so you're doing that over and over again. The network TV schedule, which is sort of now outdated, runs basically September to May. So you have a Halloween episode, you have a Thanksgiving episode, you have a Christmas episode, you have a Valentine's Day episode. Those are like the four big staples of American TV holiday episodes you never get july 4th independence day you don't really get like the the summer anything in the summer like you don't that that's sort of missing you don't really get new year's episodes you sometimes do but the show's already off the air from you know early december to january so there's like holidays that you never get episodes for and then there's certain holidays that every show does an episode for and it's getting a little bit like it was it was fun for a while and then like in season seven of a show you're like oh god damn it we have to (laughs) <laughs> to do a Thanksgiving episode again. So it's not unfun, but it also now is a little bit like, it feels a little perfunctory instead of like exciting, you know? I had Thanksgiving dinner once and there was like sweet potatoes, but with marshmallow on the top. Yeah. Yeah. That was the maddest thing I've ever eaten in my life. And I was like, I cannot, I cannot culturally wrap my head around why this is a thing. Because <laughs> you don't live in America. <laughs> in America, it's like, take the sugary thing and then put sugar on it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the move. But the craziest thing is that that's part of the meal. That's not dessert. That's part of the meal. 
Yeah. And then after that, they're like, who wants pie? And you're like, I just <laughs> ate pie. Like I just ate exactly this thing. And you, and then you eat like a pecan pie that has more sugar in it. It's bananas. Yeah. It's like a, it's a, it's nonsense. It shouldn't exist. It should be outlawed. Well, we get onto your dream drink now, which, by the way, you were saying about the secret ingredient earlier. Um, I don't think you need to worry anymore. We won't tell you, tell you what it is just yet, but okay. um, I, fa- I think you're out of the woods with secret ingredient wise. Let's hear what the drink is. I, I, uh, I'm a whiskey drinker, generally, mm-hmm. and I usually just drink neat whiskey. But since this is a special occasion, I'm going to have a proper old fashioned. That will be my mm-hmm. drink. That's my drink of choice if I'm in the cocktail mood as opposed to just a glass of whiskey mood. So I'm going to get a, an old-fashioned. I'm, I'm not going to get super fancy with the whiskey. I'm going to have a, a Maker's Mark old-fashioned with a nice uh, little bit of little dash of sugar and some bitters mm. and a little twist and a nice one nice big clear ice cube. Mm. And I'll have like uh, 11 of them because I'm assuming right. that I won't get drunk magically in this in this dream restaurant. But that that's my like, if I'm, a, if I'm feeling like a, it's like a special occasion, I'll get an old-fashioned. Is this love of whiskey something you funneled into Ron Swanson? Yeah, it's actually a crazy story. Well, not crazy. It's an interesting story. My favorite whiskey is Lagavulin, which mm-hmm. um, when I was living in New York, I, I used to go into this liquor store. I'm not a huge drinker, but I used to have a bottle of whiskey around if I wanted some whiskey at night. And I went into this liquor store and there was this really old Russian guy who ran this liquor store. And I used to buy, I don't know, probably Maker's Mark. And one day I, I went in and I was like, I'll have a bottle of Maker's Mark. And he was like, you like whiskey? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, he like did this like, like come here thing with his hand. And I was like, okay. And he brought me into the back of his liquor store. And I was like, I might get murdered. This might, this might be it. But he, he said, try this. And he took a tiny little like thimble plastic glass and he poured some whiskey into it. And he had me try it. And it was delicious. And he showed me it was Lagavulin. And I was like, this is great. And he was like, this is the best, this is the best whiskey. This is what you should drink. It's don't drink Maker's Mark, drink this. So I was like, all right, old Russian gentleman, you're on. (laughs) So I became a Lagavulin drinker. And at the time, this is like 2000, maybe 2001. I was the only person I knew who had heard of Lagavulin. Like it was just a, you know, it's a tiny small batch thing from Scotland. And I was very proud of the fact that I knew about a whiskey that no one else knew about. So I got to LA and I created the show and I, I made Ron Swanson a whiskey drinker and the props woman said, what whiskey should he drink? And I said, oh, he should drink this whiskey called Lagavulin. So she bought a bottle of Lagavulin and put it on his desk for the scene. Now, unbeknownst to me, Nick Offerman got to the scene. I wasn't on the set that day. He got to the scene and was like, oh, I must have told someone that my favorite whiskey was Lagavulin because <laughs> oh, wow. it was his favorite whiskey too. So we went two years not knowing, and every time he had to drink whiskey, it was Lagavulin, and we went for two years not knowing that there was this coincidence, and then one day, I was on the set, and someone was like, why is this, why do you drink Lagavulin? And Nick was like, it's my favorite whiskey, and I was like, no, it's my favorite whiskey, and we realized that we had this crazy, weird thing in common, and we just hugged each other and, and wept and had a great time. So it, oh, was this, it was this weird piece of kismet that, um, that, that lined up perfectly. And it ended up, there's that absolutely beautiful scene where Ron visits the distillery. Yeah. And it's just, it's stunning because normally I don't like seeing sitcom characters outside of their natural environment, but it (laughs) just, it worked so perfectly. It's just such a peaceful, lovely scene. Yeah. We were shooting in London because Chris Pratt was doing the first Guardians movie and we, we went to London and we were like, well, if we're going all the way to London, what else should we do? So we, we did a bunch of things. We went to Stonehenge for like 
an hour and shot yeah. a, a tiny little scene where Pratt, there's this, there's a moment where like he gets a job there and someone gets a, a letter from him or something is like, it says, you know, he, he went to his first day of work and he got lost. And then you just cut to him at Stonehenge going like, this isn't right. I get this. Is right. It was it. It was like three seconds of, of yeah. an episode. We snuck off to Paris and shot a thing in Paris. And then I was like, well, if we're going all the way to England, we ought to take Nick to the Lagavulin distillery. So they, they broke off a little unit and they, he took a train and he went to a lighthouse and like he did this whole like journey where he went to like the only place in Europe that that character would want to go, <laughs> yeah. which was the, the Lagavulin <laughs> distillery. It's, wow. it's, I mean, I'm, I'm now just saying things I like, but also yeah. <laughs> because Chris Pratt had got so ripped yeah. for Guardians, there's that one line in that episode where you have to reference the fact he's lost so much weight and he just says, oh, I stopped drinking beer and it just, yeah, just they're lost walking 50 in, pounds. They're walking in, he's like, that's it? You just stopped drinking beer? And he's like, yeah, lost 50 pounds. <laughs> here's the, and here's the thing. I have absorbed that line as fact. <laughs> and um, anytime I don't drink beer and I'm like doing dry January and not drinking for a month or whatever, I genuinely think to myself, Oh, good! You're gonna end up like Chris Pratt now, uh, yeah. and that, and I, I genuinely think that in my head, yeah, and think, yeah, because remember, he just stopped drinking beer, yeah. and it's like, no, no, that was a line. In your mind, you saw a documentary once about yeah. health, and there's yeah. a line in there about if you don't drink beer, you'll look like a you're an action star, look like a Star yeah. Lord. Yeah, I think it all the time, every every year around this time when I've not drunk for a month and all that, and I'm kind of like continuing to not drink too much. I always think I think of Chris Pratt all the time. Think of him saying all he did was quit beer. And in my head, I don't put it in Parks and Rec. In my head, he's sitting on the sofa being interviewed by Ellen or someone. And it was like a real thing that he said once. It's like, yeah, because remember, Chris Pratt said that. He told me what it takes to actually get into that shape. And it's more than that. It's not just. (laughs) There was a quick Chris Pratt story. He was doing a movie called delivery man i think with vince vaughn and he he was playing like the fat best friend and so he was like i'm gonna get to 300 pounds that was my he was his goal and he's a big guy he's six three or something but he's like i'm gonna weigh 300 pounds for this role so he just started like eating a ton and like just ballooning up and we did a scene for an episode where he was in an ice cream store ice cream parlor and uh they were eating ice cream and like all the actors have spit buckets so that you know if the <laughs> scene is going they're pretending to eat the ice cream and then when they yell cut they spit it out pratt ate the ice cream every time <laughs> and he ate he ate i believe the number is 14 ice cream cones over the course of the scene and he the, he woke up in the middle of the night with like tachycardia like his heart was <laughs> oh beating like God. 200 beats a minute because he had ingested you know ten thousand grams of fat in one night so he got up to 300 pounds. Then he got cast in Guardians and was like, oh, no, I have to I have to be like in superhero shape. So he started this crazy training regimen and just the pounds like melted off. And he was doing like two a day, three a day workouts and like going down and down and down. He got to like 250 and then 240, 230. And then they needed to do reshoots for the first movie she was oh like my God. Uh, man okay and he like went back up and came, went back up to like 280 and then they did the reshoots and then he like crashed again he was like robert de niro his weight was like fluctuating wow. like uh, like 80 pounds twice over the course of like five months it was bananas and if you yeah. watch that's like season four or five i can't remember now and if you watch it, it's like from episode to episode, he's a completely different person. Like he just Incredible. is like a, he's either enormous and pudgy or looks like a superstar. My wow. wife has occasionally said to me that I remind her of Chris Pratt and we've never said out loud which 
Chris Pratt she's talking about. <laughs> I think I know, but I choose to believe the other one. <laughs> well, that ice cream chat brings us quite neatly onto dessert. I would have personally not. I mean, when you were saying about him waking up in the night with his heart going, I, I mean, that's a window into my future. I know that's how I'm going to go. <laughs> After having 14 ice cream cones. And I'll be happy. I'll be happy with that. All right. So I have a extremely specific and angry belief about proper dessert in restaurants, which is that there's only one dessert that anyone should serve. And when a restaurant doesn't serve it, it infuriates me. I don't want anything fancy. I don't want any complicated hot lava this or lemon meringue that. I don't want any of that stuff. Here's what I want. A warm chocolate brownie with nuts in it and a scoop of ice cream. That's it. Just brownie a la mode yeah. uh, with nuts. And if a restaurant doesn't serve that dessert, in my mind, it's an illegitimate restaurant and should be <laughs> shut down by the health department. <laughs> by the health department. Yeah. Yes. So the health yes. department are coming in, they're going, there's no chocolate brownie here. Yeah. You're being shut down. You may as well yeah. have had rats. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. To me, it's the pizza of desserts, which is to say, if you're eating any dessert and you see anyone else eating that, you would rather have that. Mm -hmm. Do you want onion on your brownie? Yes, yeah. please. <laughs> <laughs> no, it has to have nuts in it, though. Uh, again, mm. it's, there's some kind of theme here of, of crunchiness because uh, mm. a chocolate brownie without nuts, take or leave it. Chocolate brownie with nuts to me is the perfect dessert. Interesting. So what nuts? Because yeah. I think for me, I'm almost the other way around because my mum is like a really good baker and made a lot of chocolate brownies when we were growing up, but they always had nuts in them. And then I think just what you've always had, as nice as it is, when, once you have something that's different, you're like, oh, this is this is the real treat outside of my house, even though your mum's being really nice to you and making, <laughs> making you really nice stuff. You're like, oh, but I get this at my friend's house and uh, I could eat that there. So if I had brownies without the nuts in, and still now I, feel I get too excited about them, even though Brownies with walnuts in them. I love it. Yeah, that's what, that's the right nut. Walnut brownies are great. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the right move. So you're saying that you would rather like reject your mother's love mm. in, in exchange for a, just a different dessert? Maybe not these days, but as a kid, I think I was doing a lot of that. I think I, I did not realize how good I had it with a mum who was really good at baking, really good at cooking. And then I would always like think, oh, those, those kids were just allowed to eat McDonald's. Those lucky kids are so lucky. And I was there eating something that probably tasted a lot better. <laughs> it's a very James A. Castaway to rebel to have brownies without walnuts. In your face, mum. Screw you. Screw you, mum. Do what I want. I'm having no texture in my food. <laughs> yeah. I, I, had, I grew up in like a very like no sugar household. So like any of my friends who had like Fruit Loops or whatever, any kind of sugary cereal, like that's where mm. I wanted to be sleeping over because I was denied like terrible food. And so I was always like finding the people whose parents took a more casual approach to their children's health and i would like that's that's where i wanted to be like I, we didn't have we couldn't eat sugary gum we couldn't eat sugary cereal like my dad was a health food nut and so i ate like granola every morning for like hearty organic granola was my breakfast which is fine i mean i'm happy that he did that but at the time it was like all i want is like apple jacks or whatever you know my mum's more that person very healthy uh, my dad, the opposite, and yet he managed to completely hide that from us throughout our childhood. And we thought he was just as healthy as mum was. And then I've grown up, and uh, it's really weird how we had the sugar cereal. We were allowed one 
we, it was called special cereal in our house. Mm-hmm. One box of special cereal at the start of the month, and whoever went with mum on the big shop got to choose the special cereal. Sure. So yeah, you're more likely to want to help out on the big shop and push the trolley and stuff. So That's you good. get to That's choose whatever the special yeah. cereal was. And when it's gone, it's gone, and you have to wait until the next month for it. Now we've all moved out. I go home to visit them and all i want in the morning cereal wise is something pretty uh sensible and boring and i open the cupboard and it's full of sugar cereal because my dad that's who he is and i'm like yeah. you sit cookie crisp in here you're in your 60s <laughs> you're gonna go nuts you can't eat cookie crisp in your 60s did you like try to make the one box last for the whole month did you parse it out or you no. just wolf it down massive cereal bowl of it we're allowed one bowl in the morning so it'd be absolutely brimming to the point where it's nearly spilling over the sides but not quite got very good at doing that um wolf it all down love it be in heaven and then go to school and so after yeah there's me my brother and sister oh so it's like one two days it's yeah that's it yeah interesting meanwhile my dad was hiding ice cream in the freezer (laughs) underneath meats so that we couldn't see them oh and eating it himself but i didn't know that until i was an adult I mean, this is fantastic. What? A, but I, kudos to him for pulling it off. Uh, yeah. You went your whole childhood, never knew this. Yeah, he absolutely nailed it. Yeah, and now he's out in the open. He's absolutely going for it, this guy. He doesn't care now. He yeah. doesn't care now. <laughs> Cookie Crisp is the perfect is the perfect <laughs> cereal for a 60-year-old <laughs> lunatic to be yeah. eating. Yeah. If you're in your 60s, you shouldn't be eating a cereal with a wolf on the box. Yeah. <laughs> if I think if he'd been behaving like this when we were children, we would have eaten healthier. Because I think we would have looked at him and gone, oh, no, we can't. We can't go down this path. He's going going crazy, this guy. That is the the parenting question is always like, do you do the wrong thing and trust that your kids will rebel against it and do the right thing? Like that's a – constant question in my mind of like am i mm. should i be like letting my kid just like watch as much tv as they want and like playing with their phones and stuff and then they'll rebel and become very studious and and like boring kids who study philosophy at oxford or something like i i think about that all the time and clearly it worked because now you want boring sensible healthy cereal right like yeah in the morning he kind of did he pulled it off although you know there's a certain time of the day where i then go nuts so, like, I can't start the day off with sugar cereal. I just, I just can't. My brain can't do it. I would feel like, no, that's it. The whole day's a write-off. But there's a certain point in the day where I'm like, right, now I'm just, like, crazy dessert guy. I'm trying to get on top of it, Michael. I'm, 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 currently, I'm currently Monday to Friday being a good boy. And then the weekends are, like, the last days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely insane weekend. Do you remember that in the Bible, the the, the tales about Sodom in the Bible where everyone had big bowls of cookie crisp? Yeah. Listen, I might as well be doing what the people in that city did to the desserts. I might as well be doing it. That's how crazy I'm going. I'm going absolutely crazy. All right. Well, wait, walk me through that weekend then. What does it look like? Well, so I'm off the leash and I know it. I know it's Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so everything that I'm eating in the day is just followed up with whatever. Also, I've still got all the Christmas chocolate and fudge and everything in, in the in the cupboards that all my relatives got for me. So okay. now it's like I'm not eating that in the week. But in the weekend, 
I'm just dipping in those. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a, a caramel covered pretzel every five <laughs> seconds. I'm getting, I'm getting these fudges, this clotted cream fudge. Um, there was these marshmallows that were like mango and passion fruit with meringue, bits of meringue in them. I was eating those. <laughs> um, I was eating these massive blocks of honeycomb that are covered in chocolate. I was eating mm-hmm. those. Um, Ed got me four different types of ice cream and, and a bag of cookie dough uh, yeah. for, for my birthday. I'm still going through. I've just finished them. I finished the cookie dough the other day after, directly after, I'd eaten some fudge. And it was, and it was no, no... Well, you've got to take the edge off the no fudge, No gap you? between either of them. It's like, yeah. I need to come down yeah. after the fudge. So I need to level it out with this cookie dough. Do you eat all this just in your kitchen or do you take it to the toilet like you're in a nightclub? No, I go right to the toilet. I'm eating it all. I'm coming out. I'm talking really quickly about an app I've designed that, that gets desserts delivered straight to your bedroom. Just wipe, wiping his mouth, hoping yeah. that no one notices the little yeah. bits of fudge on the corners all of his lips. Powdered sugar all over his nose. Yeah. Absolutely wow. crazy. Uh, I mean, yeah. It's, when this it's, runs, it's, when the when the Christmas candy runs out, are you are you going to be okay then, or are you going to go back and restock and like d- d- keep this up? I tell myself every single year that well, this is just because I've got it all in the cupboard because it's Christmas stuff. Once that's gone, I'll calm down. And I know that that's not going to happen. I'll just have right. to. I'll just. I'll just be buying it. You know, I won't be buying that sort of stuff. But ice cream is the one. Ice cream is the one where yeah. I'll just be like, well, obviously, I'll buy a tub of ice cream today because I feel like treating myself, <laughs> and I'll go and buy that. I'm very good now at not eating a whole tub in one go. But mm. that doesn't really, you know, that doesn't really count when you go, well, it's good that I only ate a few scoops and then followed it up with a handful of caramel-covered pretzels, some marshmallow-crazy meringue <laughs> <laughs> concoction and some cookie dough that my friend got me for my birthday, for my 37th birthday. Do you do the thing of, like, if there's, like, a, a some kind of piece of candy, like, you'll eat, you'll be like, I'm just going to eat half of this, and you break it mm. in half and eat it, and then... 10 seconds later, you're like, well, now I'll eat the other half. You've got like to that, eat yeah, the other half. Yeah. yeah, that's a, like, there's a, on sets in, uh, if you, if shooting early in the morning out here, there's always Krispy Kreme donuts. And I always see them and I'm always like, I really want one of those, but I don't want a whole one. So I take a knife and I cut it in half and I eat mm-hmm. it. And as I'm eating the half of it, I'm reaching for the other half with my other hand. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what was the point of this? <laughs> like psychologically, I'm healthier because I cut it in half somehow. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. like a one second gap between the two halves there. It's like you've taken <laughs> a give, break. To give yeah. your body a chance yeah. to like, you know, deal, cope with it. Yeah, process yeah, the to, sugar. Yeah. To scream at you a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> Someone sent me some donuts from Crosstown Donuts for Christmas. And there was six of them because, you know, I live with my girlfriend. So clearly we could share those donuts. But. Uh, she looked at them and said, oh, I'm not really into any of those flavours. And I was into all of those flavours. And there was a sticker on the box that said, must be eaten within a day. And I was like, That's oh, it. no. That, I wish I hadn't read that. Well, you, you were just following the rules. That's a good ethical person right there. You're just you're doing what the what the rules were. He's got a whole roll of those stickers in his drawer and he puts them on everything and then pretends yeah. that they were there when they arrived. <laughs> I'm going to read your menu back to you now, see how you feel about it. All right. um, you would like still water. Poplums of bread, hearty, grainy, nutty bread, and pretzel bread with warm butter. Starter, a seafood tower, crab meat, lobster, jumbo shrimp, sushi, mm. sushi rolls, and mustard hot sauce and cocktail sauce. Mm-hmm. Main course, an entire 16-inch pizza with onions from Nino's, New York. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Side dish, purple yam with creme fraiche from Jar in L.A. Drink, 11 Maker's Mark Old Fashions with a big <laughs> ice cube in each one. And dessert, a warm chocolate brownie with nuts and a scoop of ice cream. Otherwise... We get shut down by the health the health board. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, when I hear it back, I'm pretty into it. I gotta yeah, say, 
You know what? So am I. And I actually think that pizza is a stroke of genius in the middle of that. To have the seafood tower, you're feeling all fancy, and then and then you're eating a big old slice of cheesy pizza. I think it's great. Yeah. That's just what you want to eat for dinner, always. Yeah, but I've uh, got bad news for you, Michael. I know you think you've been in the dream restaurant. It was the nightmare restaurant all along. <laughs> oh, I was worried that this was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I texted Ed yesterday and told him I was going to do that. So excited. He texted me yesterday going, guess what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to say it was the nightmare restaurant all along. He's like, yeah, you do that, man. That's pretty good. (laughs) No, wait, what was the the mystery ingredient? Can you tell me now? Can you guess what it is? It's specific to you. It's related to you and your and, and your work. So it's probably an office. Is it like chili? It's even more specific to you. Oh, you're going to kick yourself. You're going to kick yourself so hard. <laughs> but you're in the right show. Uh, oh, Beats. It's yeah, Beats. Which, beats. When, you, when we were circling around the purple yam, I thought, it's not not a beat, is it? No, it's close. Thanks so much for doing the podcast. I, it's a really, real much. pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, there we are. What a lovely chat with Michael Sher. What a nice guy. Lovely chat, lovely guy. It was a privilege. Absolutely, and even more of a privilege because he did not say beats, James. Thank you for not saying beats. We would have had to kick you out, and then who knows? You would have been... Do you think when we kick people out now, Mm. they just, like, land on a pile on top of Jade Adams? Yeah, I think so. Or they go to the bad place. They go to the bad place. Did you like my twist that I did at the end of that episode, Ed? Yes. It was good, wasn't it? I think Michael liked it. Very clever. I knew you were going to do it, of course, because you you texted me yesterday yes. saying you were going to do it. Yes, I texted you telling you that it was going yeah. to happen. Yeah. Always good to plan a twist in advance and tell the other person involved. Yep. So, yeah. I thought I'll tell Ed that I'm going to do it because if it's an awful idea, Ed will just tell me not to do it. However, yeah. I did forget that our relationship isn't that you, you don't tell me not to do bad ideas. You just kind of let me do them anyway. Yes, good luck with your book. Thank you. Um, but Michael has a book that is a good idea. It's called How to Be Perfect. Yeah. If there's ever been a more alluring title, I'd like to yeah. know about it because we'd all like to be perfect. Yes, we would. Uh, and I'm very excited to read it. Um, it is out now and it is published by Quercus and you can find it in all good bookstores. Your book, James, of course, is called Something Different. Yes, you can pre-order it now on all the usual platforms. It's called James Acaster's Guide to Quitting Social Media, Being the Best You You Can Be and Curing Yourself of Loneliness, Volume 1. And of course, you can also go and get tickets to Ed Gamble's live comedy show, Electric. It's tearing up the nation. It's tearing up the nation. It's tearing up hearts. Uh, It's uh, available on edgamble.co.uk. Tickets are available, not the show itself, of course. Plenty more dates left. Get stuck in. Yeah, and listen, uh, I don't know... Maybe Ed's not been paying attention to this, but uh, people are raving about this show. Man, my mum said she was proud of me. (laughs) Yes, Ed's mum. Whoa. And people who aren't his mum. My (laughs) mother-in-law. Yeah. Didn't Uh, say anything to me about the rude bits. Uh, Yes, which is, that's that's good, isn't it? That's a step forward. Yep, because that would have been awkward. She didn't punch me in the arm and say, you're so rude, which she normally does. Yes, yes. So (laughs) come and see that. A show that does not deserve a punch in the arm, but... I must emphasise, is quite rude. <laughs> is quite rude, to be fair. Uh, he's a rude boy. Also, hey, you can get us on all the socials. Talk about, yeah, my book's about quitting social media. Don't quit it. Don't quit social media just yet. You've got to follow Off Menu on Twitter, at Off Menu Official. Yes, and, of course, you need to follow us on Instagram, Off Menu Official, and go on our website, offmenupodcast.co.uk. There's also a list of restaurants on there for every restaurant that gets mentioned. Every restaurant that's ever been mentioned on the podcast 
is on that list. And sometimes, Ed, people come up to me and they say, hey, thanks for that list that's on your website. It's really helpful for me uh, when I'm going out to eat. And I'll say, oh, cool. What restaurants have you been to on the list? And I go, oh, I haven't actually been on any of them. I, I just I just go and look at the list, but I haven't been to any of them yet. That's always what people say. They never say, yeah. I went to this one. They go, oh, no, I'm just saying it's nice to look at the list. Yeah, you've never had any interaction with the general public that's gone like that. Someone said, hey, thanks for this. And you've gone, that, that's okay. That's cool. <laughs> Tell me more. Well, when I say general public, these are usually people who are working on TV shows that I'm already with colleagues. Yes, yeah, colleagues, colleagues. The general yeah, yeah, public, yeah. as you refer to them. General public goes like this. Hey, thanks for fuck off. Get out of here. Don't talk to me. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Uh, we will see you again uh, next week, I'd imagine. We'll see you next week, but you won't see us because it's a podcast. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, I'm Lou Sanders, and if you've enjoyed this podcast, you might like my podcast, Cuddle Club. It's about cuddling, yes, but really it's just a way into relationships and asking cheeky questions like who was your mum's favourite and uh, when were you last unfaithful? Previous guests include Alan Davies, Ashling B, Catherine Mayan, Rich Dosman, Ed Gamble, Nish Kumar, and other legends. Get it on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your all podcasts. And remember to CC everybody in, if CC stands for Cuddle Club. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont. And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell. If you enjoy, well, um, there's another, there's a, a another podcast just coming out. Oh no, the podcast is out now. Yeah. If people have enjoyed Off Menu, will they enjoy Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains? I don't, I don't know. There's, well, there's a bit of a crossover. We talk about um, maybe, you know, a couple of food uh, issues. We talk about cutlery, and that's near food. We reckon it's out now. Not soon, it's now. Is it on all the platforms? Oh, it absolutely is. If you like James and if you love Ed, you might get a kick out of this. But yeah, again, no pressure. But um, yeah, this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brands.